Well, hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast, where we share tips, tricks, tools, and strategies that you can implement in your life for massive improvements. Every week, we have change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. week again we have another exciting guest for you we have the beautiful Jane Allison if you want to get an astrological sneak preview into what is coming up for all of us between 2023 and 2026 and we are in for a wild ride with some big planetary transits such as Pluto moving into Aquarius and Saturn into Pisces. This episode is for you if you want to get a glimpse in the cycles of the planets, what they are here to teach us and what lessons we need to learn. So a little bit more about our guest. Jane started her career as a tarotist and astrologist in 2015 when she took a chance and started a YouTube channel, Self-Taught, Jane learned many things about self-awareness, personal growth, spirituality, and healing through her deep dive into the tarot. The cards guided her to astrology and many other international adventures since. In 2021, Jane was diagnosed with stage 5 kidney failure and learned how to put her knowledge of all things esoteric to the test. She found herself in the kidney dialysis center for about 20 hours a week. She invested most of her time reading everything from Joe Dispenza, Gabor Mate, Osho, Alan Watts, Medical Medium and more. From the chemotherapy center to now being even more healthier than she's ever been since she was 16, she feels her life is just getting started. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world. I know it's 11 a.m. for me, and I'm sure it's probably a little bit later for you, Jane, but I'm super excited about our guest today. We've got the beautiful Jane Allison. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to meet you. And it's amazing to me, although I feel like I've just stalked you over the last 24 hours and I feel like I really know you. And I know I absolutely love what you do and I know our tribe will uh, also love you. Uh, And the way that we start the show is we always love to ask our guests to tell us this story. So, Jane, tell us, what inspired you to do what you do today and how did you get here? (laughs) Honestly, it was my own toxic relationship, which I think so many of us have experience with. So many of us have been through that kind of narcissistic codependent situation, the abuse and everything. 
um, what happened was I decided it was time to leave this relationship. And I went in and I moved with my sis, moved in with my sister in her tiny guest bedroom. I had a mattress on the floor and my computer on the floor and my cat. And like, that was all that I had. Um, and I left my business behind. I basically just said goodbye to everything that I knew. And my sister was like, I have a psychic. You have to go see this guy. He's so good. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the last thing I need. This was in like 2014. But I said, I always believed in psychics and tarot and astrology. I always loved that stuff, but I was never really into it. But I decided to go. And this guy was just in our local, I, I lived in Las Vegas at the time and it was just a local psychic shop. And I go in and it has like the beads, you know, the whole ambience of like the, you know, the psychic shop. And he didn't even know my name. And I just sat down and he literally told me the story of my life. And I was like, I, I don't understand how this guy can tell me this with these cards. And so I kind of developed a fascination from that. And he gave me so much incredible advice. And then my sister started telling me, you need to go on YouTube and start watching all of these tarot readers. They're so good. And so I started you know, kind of inching my way into it. And I said, Oh my gosh, this that's it. Like I have to do this. This is the coolest thing ever. And so I started learning about tarot and that took me on a very long journey. And I started traveling the world with my tarot practice. I was able to afford to quit my job and go and travel. I, I lived in Bali. Well, I know that's like a really trendy thing we do nowadays, right? We go to Bali, um, moved around. I moved to Budapest. I stayed in Barbados for a while. And then I started getting more and more into the astrology and developed an incredibly strong astrological practice uh, which has been now is more the foundation of what I do. And it has been such a, a blossoming, if you will, going through your own dark night of the soul and finding your way out of it. And then a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with stage five kidney failure and my whole body just quit. This was at the beginning of 2021, right after the pandemic, um, in the hospital, kidney dialysis center, the chemotherapy, everything. And it was just a very, very difficult couple of years um, applying everything that I've learned, the esoteric knowledge that I've gathered, and actually having to apply it to my physical healing. And in that process, also being able to advise and work very closely with many of my clients in their own personal healing journeys as well, both emotional and physical. And so it's been quite a, a bumpy ride, if you will, but um, also exhilarating at the same time. So Jane, were you able to foresee that yourself in your, whether it was in your astrology chart or in the cards, did you know something was coming? Because I know with astrology, you know that the energy, there's this the energy that's going to be there, but you just don't know how it's going to play out. Were you aware of that beforehand? I was aware as, as, um, as cocky as that makes me sound like, yeah, I did know. Uh, so I have had the planet Neptune in an opposition with my natal sun for the past few years. Um, Neptune is currently in my house of health. 
there are often a lot of autoimmune things that can happen when someone goes through a transit like this, and it can be very difficult to diagnose or to find the origin of what's really going on. Um, I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know what it was, but ever since, I mean, I didn't realize that I had actually been dealing with this illness ever since Neptune came into my house of health, which was like in 2012 or something like that. So I'm like, wow, this has officially been building and it's been waiting, lurking behind the scenes, waiting until it came into that opposition with my son, which of course we know the sun illuminates things or brings things to light, if you will. So that was the manifestation of the illness. And um, I didn't know what it was going to be exactly, but I knew it was going to be something. Wow, that's amazing. And in your sixth house, and I'm only learning this myself as well, but isn't that because sometimes when I actually, and when I was going through all the stuff that you do too, the houses, they all have different meanings. They represent different things, right? Yes, they all have. Yeah, in your sixth house, is that just health or is that work and health? Because that's what I'm thinking. As an astrologer, it would be hard to go, hang on, is this going to be playing in my health sector or in my work sector? Can you work that out by looking at it or? Not always by looking at it. You'll also have to look at the other planets that are involved. Sometimes what you think may manifest as a work thing may manifest in health. There's also like domestic pets that are also involved with that that house too. So you could have something going on with your pets. Um, There's also something with like secret enemies as well, often through that sixth house too. So there's a bunch of like little sneaky indicators with each house that you don't always consider. Um, Like as as another example, if I may in or in March, Saturn is now officially going to enter into Pisces. So that's my sixth house again. And I'm like sitting here like, okay, is that going to be health stuff? Or is that going to be work stuff? I don't really know. It's a very challenging transit for me. And I'm hoping that it won't be health. (laughs) Just kind of hoping and doing my part as much as I possibly can to ensure that, you know, it's not going to be anything bad for me. Mm. And then could you potentially, and I have no idea, I'm just, I'm just asking, could you potentially then lean into the esoteric stuff, so use your tarot to then guide you and ask specifically in what area of your life, whether it is work or health, are you able to, because I think they kind of like, they they there's a lot of, um, well, I, I'm only um, guessing from the archetypal point of view, and if you have a look at um the traditional old and the 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 is it Kabbalah Kabbalah tree the Kabbalah, yeah, yeah. Kabbalah yeah so I, there's a lot of linkage could you yes. use in conjunction to actually map it all out even more so yes you absolutely could uh i have tried to use my tarot cards to get a better understanding cuz i am really worried i'm like am i going to go through this for a third time cuz i went through it twice really in the past year um well, two years, but I I haven't, sometimes with the tarot, if I'm sitting here saying, is it going to be health or is it going to be work? And it comes out like the devil card. I'm like, well, I mean, I could really see it going both ways. So it's not always super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when it comes to something like that, it's hard for me to read my own cards. And sometimes I'll go and ask somebody else to read my cards for me because <laughs> I get too involved or I get too personally invested in things. 
Um, but yeah, sometimes, yes, you can use the tarot as a supplement to get more information. Mm, I love it. And what I'd really love to unpack, which I absolutely love, um, and for our viewers and our listeners, highly recommend, we'll have the links in the show notes to check out uh, Jane's YouTube channel, which is spectacular. Um, you did a, a, a video on the predictions for 20, I think it was from 2023 to 2026. Um, yes. Are you able to talk about some of some of the main things that are going to be taking place over the next couple of years or so? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited about this because the world is going through such a change. And I think everyone on an individual level can just sense it. Like there's something in the air. There's a lot of unrest. There was a lot of crazy stuff that happened in 2020 and even on into 2021, things that we never thought we would experience in our lifetime ever. So what's really happening is as we stand right now, the planet Uranus is in the same position that he was in before some really large events, especially here in the United States. And I know you're in Australia, so I know that doesn't necessarily apply. But in the United States here, where Uranus currently is, is where he was right before World War II, right before the U.S. got into World War II. So as Hitler was coming to power, that's where Uranus is now. Then it was 80 years prior, right before our Civil War, and then 80 years prior to that was right before our Revolutionary War. So the United States specifically is sitting in this hot zone, which is we can like everyone here is like on edge. People are so afraid of like saying the wrong thing or offending the wrong person or whatever the case is. And it feels like something is about to pop. And so Uranus, as he transits into Gemini in 2025, we're going to really start to see the speed up of a lot of whatever is meant to change for us as a nation and also as a world. Okay. This is a global event as well. Um, but we have Pluto coming into Aquarius too, which it hasn't been here for 248 years. This also coincides with the American revolution. There's a connection with the French revolution as well. So this is really around that time, the late 1700s when the world evolved so quickly and there were so many things happening. Um, and there was really this massive modernization of the world from that point, moving forward with the industrial revolution and everything like that. Um, so the words that we have on the tip of our tongue are revolution, change, um, you know, I'm predicting some pretty big events here, like the fall of one of our big political parties or a big split going on, um, maybe putting another political party in power. And at the same time, we have Saturn coming into Pisces, so a big economic crash. And I think most economists are looking at the way we're spending money and they're like, there's no way we can survive another year, <laughs> right? We cannot keep printing money. And so what the economists are predicting goes hand in hand with what the astrology is saying. So we're on this precipice and it's going to be really uncomfortable and it will affect so many people worldwide, but eventually it's going to be a really fantastic upswing. And the reason why I'm so optimistic about everything 
is because technically we are ascending, right? Uh, in the terms of the Kali Yuga, the Dwapara Yuga, or the Yuga system that they use in Vedic astrology, we are ascending back up toward the golden age. Now that's obviously thousands and thousands of years from now, but there is reason to be optimistic that the world, generally speaking, is going to continually improve over the next several thousand years. So there's going to be corrections all the time. We're going to have to deal with things falling apart and being rebuilt. We're going to have to deal with new technologies that are development, developing new financial systems that are developing. But ultimately, the world is becoming better. Mm. It's interesting. I was interviewing another uh, lady, uh, Elena. She does a whole the whole thing on vibrational frequency, and they actually measured the consciousness of the collective. And what she was saying is that we're moving into the 2023 phase, in and it's the I can't remember. I think it was the the measurement of uh, I think it was 200. Um, they use scalars. Um, uh, technology so they are able mm-hmm. to measure the consciousness and she said it was going to be anger so they, there's but then it, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of maybe uh people hitting the streets a lot of like maybe anger but the anger has to come out yeah you know, it's like if you think about it we normally because we've been taught to hold back our anger and repress it that people are going to go, this is enough and allow their anger to come out. But this is how we heal as a collective. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. That's such a wonderful way to look at it. And it it does feel uh, like there has been so much repression or there has just been so, and, and again, this is global, this is worldwide. And there's just have been so many things that we've all just allowed We've allowed our governments to do certain things. And we just said, oh, you know, we hoped for the best. But I think we had a pretty strong example that they just do not have our best interest at heart. And people are starting to get very, I mean, we're seeing it in China. We're seeing it in Europe, Australia, in the United States, Canada, the UK, everywhere. Everyone is just standing up and being like, no, like this is not okay in, 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 we put you in office, we voted for you, we elected you, like you you can't do this type of stuff. And so yeah, that anger, that frustration, and unfortunately, they're pitting us against each other. But I, I don't know. I mean, I would like to believe maybe this is my delusional optimism coming out. But I would like to believe that eventually, we're going to hit a point where we realize as a collective that that just simply isn't going to work. And it's not us against us. It's like us against something else. Mm, Yeah. And I'm thinking also that when you're thinking about with whatever, when uh, I was uh, speaking to Howard from the Heart Math Institute, and he was saying that even though there is a separation that we deem as separation, um, there is also a, a connection happening somewhere else. So, you know, there, there's the dichotomy that's taking place at exactly the same time, all the time. So even though we're going, well, because, you know, I might be going, well, why is this, there's such a big separation? You know, in my mind, I'm, I may be deluded, but in my mind, we're all one. We're yes. all, all here to experience our, and we are of love, light and truth. And we are here to learn and be together. And so by 
uh, being anger, you know, throwing anger towards your neighbor or whatever that may be, um, then you're actually doing it to your own self, right? And everyone has mm-hmm. a part, everyone has signed a contract, a sole contract to be here and do their role. Um, but, you know, but the way that he described it, and I won't do it justice, it was just so beautiful that even though we're seeing the separation take place, as even though we're seeing there's a greater separation, there's also a greater connection taking place somewhere else. And so when you I, think about it, even though if I think about there's been separations in my world over the last couple of years, but at the same time, there's been amazing connections happening exactly at the same time. What do you think for you? No, I absolutely agree. I, th- I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. And and as I think every single person who goes through a spiritual awakening you go through this tumultuous process of like ripping everything that you ever thought you knew apart and you emerge more unified internally. So even though we can look out in the world and perceive separation, you know in your heart that that is not true at all. And actually, the more and more people get separated quote unquote, the more love you actually end up having for them and the more compassion you end up having for them and for yourself as well. And it's not like a pity thing. It's just like, it's a a love thing. And you, you, you can't condemn anything or anyone. And you just have to kind of love their human experience and love their pain and, and love what they have to learn um, because you've had to do it too. And that's why I think self-work is so important because it truly is the only way for us to unify Mm. is like, if every person does that self-healing journey, unification is the inevitability. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was having this conversation with my sister the other day that, you know, that, um, I you can listen to astrology, for example. You can listen to like everyone's down their own little rabbit hole, right? And there's many different versions of what's going to be taking place over the next twelve months. Whether it's aliens are going to come down and land, and and you know, you know you, uh, there's so many stories out there, right? But at the end yeah. of the day, whatever energy is around, like even from an uh, if we look at astrology, and let's say you're talking about the energy of revolution, right? That energy is around us, and of course, it's going to affect us all differently depending on what's in our chart but even though you've got that energy around you it's what you do with it and this is the way that I interpret it so for example if it's a rainy day I have a choice to either stay indoors or I go out in the rain so same with this energy if it's about the or the vibration of anger I can go okay what do I do with this energy am I going to hit the streets and fight for it and what will that give me? Or will I go internal and actually turn this, do something, with it, whether it's turn it or transmute it into love? And because I believe the work, like you said, the more inner work that we do, the more we expand love and light, that is more impactful than going out and doing all these other things that uh, some individuals do physically um, and then get frustrated because nothing gets done. So I can, I feel I'm, um, I'm a massive empath. I feel there's a lot of frustration and anger, uh, but then it's about what do we do with it? So for you as an astrologist, um, as a, 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 I'd like to call you um, an oracle. Oh, an oracle. As an word. oracle. I'll take that word. <laughs> what, what would you 
what kind of advice would you give to our viewers, knowing that there's all these changes to come through? What do we do with this energy? What are some of the things that we could transmute the stuff that's going around us? Yeah. Well, one of the big messages that is coming through for me right now with all of my clients and as I'm doing readings is how important it is to treat this moment in time as a personal revolution. And the smallest things like you were talking about, like the way you perceive something or the way you choose to respond to something, um, that it all matters so much. And the way you decide to act with love and the way you decide to act with peace and acceptance, it matters so much. And if you want to be on the front lines, in the trenches, on the front lines to really make an impact, that is what you need to be doing. Um, I feel like there, there really is just this massive amount of people, millions of people who are here to bring light and to bring healing and, and here to bring greater degrees of peace into the world at a time where there is so much disruption. The trick is when you are seeing everything out there is to not get attached to it, to not cast judgments. And as, as a, okay, as a Virgo, I'm a Virgo. Okay. <laughs> so I am, I have had to learn about being critical and judgmental of others. That is a very real thing that Virgos, every human being, but Virgos are known for that. And I was a pretty nasty person in my past. I'm not going to lie. I definitely had my toxicity and it was because I was so full of self-loathing and it was just ugh, like, like daggers out to everybody else. And I feel like when I look out there in the political realm and everyone going like this, I, I see a lot of self-loathing because that's the only way that you could cast daggers like that. That's the only possible place that that could come from. And so the tendency may still be there, especially when something comes and sets you off and you're like, oh, I really don't like that. I really don't like that that person said that hateful thing or that person said such an offensive thing. And, and you know, our, our politicians and our media are using these super charged topics, like really charged, like abortion and immigration and um, like gun control and like all these type, like real issues that people face and they're being thrown in our faces all the time specifically to elicit a reaction. And so if someone says something that we don't personally agree with, it's not, I mean, we can have a discussion, but it's also not necessarily our job to convince them otherwise I think it's so important to hold space with love, even if you really fundamentally disagree with what they're saying. And that's what a real warrior is nowadays. It's someone that has that degree of self-control and that discipline and that like hyper awareness of what your mind is actually doing, because that is hard to be in the midst of a conversation, to be in a social setting and to have 
that control over that ego or that control over your own pain and your own wound to the degree where you don't cast those daggers out like that. I love the way that you described that. And there's a couple of things that have bubbled up for me. So one of them is you mentioned about being in, like with all the stuff that is the, I call it the rumble that's going external, whether it's gun control, abortion, vaccines, whatever that may be, which is creating fear. And fear is a lower vibrational frequency. And when we are in fear, fear and love cannot coexist at the same time. So, and fear does reside in the mind. This is where our inner critic is, where our ego resides, our, um, uh, all of those, those, I guess, those negative things that, that we all experience. Um, and uh, by dropping into our heart, that is the, I think that's the magic. That's the, I think the practice, if we can drop into our heart as often as we can, um, then, because I mean, for, for me, I w- will refuse to watch the news, read a paper, listen to the radio. I just refuse to purely because yeah. I am conscious about what I'm feeding my mind. And I don't yeah. want to live in fear. I think we've all lived in enough fear the last couple of years. We don't want to uh, entice that any, any, any more than what we've all endured. Yeah, absolutely. You brought that up. And, and that transmutation of fear into love also requires that awareness of when you are actually afraid. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people still are in the process of learning to identify what's really happening inside their body when it's actually happening instead of like taking weeks to process something or, you know, but like to immediately say, okay, uh, that's a fear feeling. That's me going into my baser instinct. It's me going into survival mode. It's me projecting something that may or may not be real. And so taking that in that moment and being able to choose love and also faith and trust in a higher power, which is again, that's where the real warriors are right now. That's where the real frontline soldiers are. That's what they're doing. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah. you know the the thing that you were talking about, I, I'd like to kind of um, unpack when you talked about self loathing. Um, and I um, have looked into um, uh, Louise Hayes, you know, and you can heal your life. How she says that basically we create our own diseases, and there's obviously there's lots of other uh, Deepa Chopra talks about it. Um, there's a lot of a lot a lot of I guess self-help gurus talk about it nowadays and that we are so externally focused that we are so distant from ourselves that we're not tuned in tapped into our own body that when stuff is going on we don't really know until it's kind of too late so it makes me think about you with when you talked about your kidney failure and if it's all right for me to ask this question did you at any time because you you were saying that 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 alignment in your sixth house was since 2012 did you at all think there was something going on but you just ignored it like did you ever tune into something was not right (laughs) um that's a really I don't know why that question is hard for me to answer um because it's kind of a yes or yes and no so I, so this is, can I, can I go back to kind of the beginning with that? Is that okay? (laughs) Um, So I, 
when I was young, I had a ball, a ballet teacher. I grew up learning ballet. And over the years, we moved away and I stopped dancing and everything, but we had reconnected once in 2010. And she started getting really into Reiki and energy healing. And so that was like my first introduction because I went to her house to visit her and she was like, let me show you this cool thing that I'm doing. And so she taught me how to meditate. And so after that, I decided I, I went home and I was meditating every day and I started to get really into it. And one day I was laying on the floor and I was meditating and I was deep in this beautiful like place. And I, when I was done, I got up and my whole body was sore and I was like, okay, that's new. Like I could barely move my shoulders and my, like everything was just like, ugh. and that was the first time that I think I, I knew something wasn't right. That was a lupus thing. It's a lupus like symptom. I knew something wasn't right, but I did ignore it because I just thought, well, it'll go away. It's fine. Or it's a diet thing. Or, you know, you just, you just, and then eventually you end up learning to live with it and you feel like it's normal. Oh, it's aging. I'm getting older. Oh, it's stress. Oh, it's this. And then I started learning about astrology and I'm like, oh, it's just this transit. Oh, it's just Mars doing this. And there was a lot of things that I was doing like a dummy that was like, blaming on something external when really it was because I still was holding on to a lot of that self-loathing, a lot of that fear, a lot of those abandonment issues, a lot of that self-punishment that I like stayed in that toxic relationship as a form of self-punishment for something I did in a previous relationship. Um, and you know, it just, kept compounding and compounding. And I kept ignoring and ignoring and ignoring, which created even more and more and more and more of a separation every single day. And then eventually your kidneys give out. Um, and you're like, Oh, okay. I guess I better pay attention. Like I can't not go to a doctor now. Cause you know, something's really wrong. My legs are like this big, you know, <laughs> I have so much fluid all over my body. I can't even walk, you know, like I don't have a choice, you know? So then you're forced to, to do something. Wow. Jane. And we, we all do that though. We all find reasons as to, you know, when you have, um, little niggling things happen happen to your body you will always do that we'll say oh it's aging or it's you know it's not so we always we all always do that I think yeah and what I've learned to tell my clients now even if it's small like fatigue I'm tired a lot do something about that that is a big deal you shouldn't be tired all the time I don't care how old you are your hands hurt figure it out. There's something wrong, right? Like, it, and it's not at that point when it becomes physical, you, you, you have to acknowledge, okay, it's gotten so bad that now it is manifesting physically. And so you not only have to care for it on the emotional level, but now you have the added responsibility of taking care of it on the physical level as well. So it makes your life you have to be even that much more conscious and aware and that much more responsible for your diet and your consumption and your lifestyle and all those types of things. Mm -hmm. So the minute, like I'm, I'm like hypochondriac now because of what I've gone through. I'm like the minute 
something is wrong. You eat something and you upset your stomach. You have to take the information from that. You have to extract what your body is trying to tell you. And then you don't do it again, or you figure out a remedy because otherwise it's just going to compound. And you don't want to end up with a chronic illness if you can avoid it, or you don't want to end up with something so much worse if you can avoid it. Yeah. I'm currently seeing an Ayurvedic doctor blown Mm -hmm. my mind away. Like within 30 minutes, just by checking my pulse, was able to tell me everything in my whole body that I've experienced. A little bit like you're going to see a psychic. Yeah. But he did that from, he was able to tell me everything my body was going through. And he explained to me that our system, which is our, our, our system is very, very intelligent. And if we just listen to it, and this is why I was asking that question, like I'm learning how to tap into my own system now because I'm always so busy, so external focused because of the work that I do. And I'm helping people all the time that I uh, wait till something dramatic happens before I go, oh, I better go and take some time out and I need to heal now. I've just had my gallbladder taken out or, or whatever that may be. Um, so it's one of those things. That's why I said we all do that. We all uh, find reasons. Oh, it's just because I've been overworked or I'm maybe a little run down or probably didn't get enough sleep. Constantly making excuses rather than going, yeah. hang on, like check in with your system. Why is this actually taking place? Yeah. Did you actually go and see the medical medium? Because I saw that you, when you were going through your treatment, I saw that you um, uh, uh, got into the medical medium. Did you actually go and see? He's amazing. He's No, I did not go see him. Uh, I I don't think he's accepting patients and your clients anymore. I think he just has like his books and his platforms and stuff. But I absorbed literally everything that I could from him. I think of all the people from Ayurveda, from homeopaths, you know, acupuncture, like all the different alternatives, forms of healing. He was the one that made me feel not insane. You know, he was the one that made me feel like there is a reason there is this, this is the connection. And this is the food that you need to eat. These are the supplements you need to take. And and I've been following his protocols and my doctors are like, wow, I can't believe you are doing so well. I'm like, you just tell me to drink some celery juice and it's fine. (laughs) You know, like if they only knew how simple it really was, I mean, obviously they wouldn't want to do that, but I mean, I actually got into a fight with my um, rheumatologist this past week. Cause I started, I started, Oh, I started going in at him. I was like, so you don't know what's wrong with me. You don't know how to fix it. You're not able to do this. You can't do that. You can't tell me this. And like, he was getting really aggravated with me, but I finally got to that point where I'm like, I need to push this guy harder for my own edification to, to make my own head be like, all right, I'm doing the right thing by following this other path. You know, medical, like advocating for yourself in a medical capacity. If you're not like, I'm not confrontational. I hate standing up for myself. It's so hard for me, but it's also one of the most healing and cathartic experiences ever to be able to do that. 100%, especially when it's your own health and your own life on the line. I first came across the medical medium. I don't know if you've seen the documentary Heal. Oh, that's how I found him. Yeah. yeah. So, and um, he he was amazing just by placing his hand 
on this lady's body and was able to, you know, and it's very similar to this doctor that I'm seeing, except he just, oh, cool. he, just by checking your pulse, but also he was able to say your C3's out, your C4's out, just by placing his hands. Now try to explain that to a doctor, right? Like, oh, a, no. a, like a, you know, a traditional doctor. It's just they look at you and go, oh, you're losing the plot a little bit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was telling this rheumatologist about functional medicine and he was like, well, are they an MD? And I'm like, no, but they don't have to be to know what they're doing. And he was like, well, if they didn't go to med school. I'm like, oh gosh, the arrogance, yeah. the arrogance. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's, it's, you know, I think too, when what I think before we came on the show, what we're talking about with the I guess the perception that some people have around astrology that it's woo woo or out there but the more that I look into it the more that I see and including myself like I'll I'll, you know do dabble and have a look myself that when I see that things that really resonate with me and things that I've pondered about for some years it's it's there's a it's it's a science, right? It's the tr- it, to me, it's like the truth. Like it's like your blueprint. The moment you were born, and how does that work exactly? The moment you were born, at the time and everything, the place it depends where you're born. Like how does that work? From a that is your blueprint. So pretty much, it tells you what you've come here to. And I know Vedic astrology is very different to, I guess, mm. mundane astrology, right? So Vedic, uh, very very different. Even the signs are different too in Vedic. I think I'm. Instead of a Pisces, I'm a Libran, or yeah, something like that. It was it's very different. In in um, Western, are you an Aries? So in so in so in Western, I am Pisces in my Moon, okay. Pisces in my Sun, and ascend. Oh no no no, sorry, Pisces in my Sun, and my Moon and ascendant is Scorpio. Oh okay. Oh, I got a Scorpio Moon as well. Um, I love that Scorpio energy. Uh, so. There's like a 20, 26, a 24 degree difference. So if you were like 10 degrees of Pisces as your sun, you would be an Aquarius in Vedic astrology because it kind of goes backwards. And that has to do with the tilt of the earth that rotates very, very slowly. It rotates like one degree every 72 years. So over the course of thousands of years, we're about a 24 degree difference there. Um, I, I love actually looking at both with people because it gives you a completely different lens to look at yourself through with that. But I do think Vedic astrology and also traditional or Hellenistic astrology, which is actually like where Western astrology is rooted in. But it's it's also connected with Vedic in a lot of ways. There are a lot of similar techniques that ancient astrology ties in there. And there are a lot of um a lot more accurate like medical things that come through there. In modern astrology, we don't like the, the medical astrology is not a huge thing. It's not this big trendy thing that we see everywhere. So you have to find like a specific, I've actually thought about learning to specialize in medical astrology, just given my experience, because I feel it's something that is so needed and so important and offers so much validation that people are craving, not only medical wise, but in all areas, but like people need validation nowadays that like, they're not 
crazy or they're not, you know, any of these things that they, these experiences are valid, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, what they're going through. It is valid and it is a part of why they're here, but that there are remedies for it as well. Mm. And in in Vedic astrology, are they, are you seeing the same? So when we're talking about the predictions between 2023 and 2026, are the same, is it the same in Vedic astrology or are there some differences that are coming out of Vedic astrology from a prediction point of view? There will be differences there. For example, we, now Vedic astrology doesn't technically use Pluto, Uranus, and Neptune. These are outer planets that were discovered way later. So they don't even usually include those. A lot of the more modern Vedic astrologers will throw them in there, but they they will have different predictions because, for example, Pluto in modern Western is coming into Aquarius, but in Vedic, it already came into Capricorn. So it's like in a whole different Zodiac sign and it's already been in there for a while. So they would probably use the nakshatras, which are like 27 or 28 subdivisions. And they would use those more for the prediction mechanisms, which will absolutely have some accuracies as well. Okay. So the predictions in Vedic astrology, what are some of the kind of the the standout predictions in comparison to the ones that you just shared with us from a Western astrology point of view? Oh gosh, that's a really, that's a question I don't think I'm prepared to answer because I haven't really spent my time. Like I would want to spend time looking at the nakshatras to really understand, and I'm not super well-versed with those, but, um, but I would suspect there would be some very different than the things that I've said, even in my own, that big video that I said, that you mentioned, I posted on YouTube, there would be some different things there, um, but also would likely come true. Yeah, which we are going to share in the show notes. So I'm also curious, you talked about like Pluto and I think Saturn changing signs. Mm -hmm. What what exactly are we uh, seeing when these big planets are changing signs. What are some of the things that we're going to, I guess we're all going to experience it differently depending on where it is in our chart, but as a collective, I know you talked about that, but what are some of the other things that you'll see from that shift in signs? Well, I think the biggest one is the economy. That's the one, like a, a, a massive global, global economic downturn, which again, the economists have already been predicting that. Um, the economy, I also think there are going to be some really incredible developments with music. And I know that sounds kind of like, yeah, but we have musicians are popping up every day. There's always famous people, but for some reason I have this inclination that they're like, cause usually in times of despair, like when, when the world is going through it, art and music and entertainment will excel because people need that outlet. They need the beauty in life. And so I feel that there's going to be some really amazing things from an artistic standpoint that comes through for the world, um, which will be exciting to see. Of course, we have to also think about the technological component, which when Pluto comes into Aquarius, now Pluto is a is an interesting planet because he brings out incredible fear that coincides with insatiable desire. And it's like the very thing that we desire the most is the thing that we're most afraid of. 
And so when it comes to technology with AI, transhumanism, robotics, bio, you know, biotech, all these really borderline ethical types of inventions, the world is going to go through some pretty substantial growing pains in terms of learning how to integrate those things from an, in an ethical way. Um, a lot of the, you know, like the nanotechnologies that get injected into us to help us regulate, you know, there could be some incredibly like really great stuff that comes from that. Like they're talking about curing cancer with that or all sorts of stuff, but it's tricky. It gets into the wrong hands. It can be problematic, or maybe it ends up causing even more damage and causing a whole new type of issue that we couldn't even predict. You know, so that's kind of the type of stuff that Pluto and Aquarius is going to bring over the next 20 years. And when you think about, you know, 20 years prior, early 2000s, we had the big tech bubble burst. And everyone was like, oh, the internet, is it going to stay? You know, and we had companies like AOL and Yahoo and Netscape, and they were starting to get, you know, overtaken by the Googles and Yahoos of the world. We saw Ebays, we saw Amazon sort of emerging at that time. And a lot of people were like, I don't want to put my credit card on the internet. That's really scary. You know what? They're going to steal your data. There was tons of fraud. We had, you know, um, Napster with people stealing music, you know, it was like this free for all of weird technology that people didn't understand. And so we're going to probably see something similar in more, probably more financial markets with crypto and digital currencies and things like that. We already saw a bunch of volatility with that through 2021. Um, but it'll take time for people to adjust and it will take time for that fear to kind of subside and people won't be as scared of the technology that's coming out and they'll adapt and we'll start to integrate it more and more into our everyday lives. But that's going to be a huge thing mm, for the next 20 years. Yeah. And what about Saturn moving into Pisces? Well, that's more the economic okay. problems. And also, you know, this is a really brazen prediction. <laughs> And it might not come true, but I, I, for some reason, I feel like we are going to witness the fall of some nation, like the fall of Russia or the fall of China or some big organization or something like that, that is going to come crumbling to pieces. Again, that's a, a brazen prediction and might not happen, but I just, there's something in my gut that this just does not feel good. Like what Saturn and Pisces is bringing. It just simply doesn't feel good because it's not just Saturn coming into Pisces. What's happening is, okay, if I can do this with my hands, okay, here's Neptune in Pisces. Here's Saturn coming into Pisces. Now, Neptune moves very, very slow. Saturn moves a lot faster. So 2023, Saturn's kind of going back and forth. 2024, coming back and forth in Pisces, doing retrogrades and whatnot. And then in 2025, Saturn and Neptune are going to come together and they're going to move into Aries together. And then they're going to retrograde back into Pisces together and then move back into Aries in 2026. Now, 
let me reverse the, the clock back to 2020. Here was Pluto. Well, actually, sorry. Here was Pluto. Here was Jupiter going like this. So we saw the destruction of what one of these outer planets did, right? Pluto with the magnification of Jupiter. And Pluto is about power and dominance and money and control. And in Capricorn is where it took place, which is about government. So that was like super obvious what happened. So with Neptune and Saturn, I'm like, Neptune dissolves stuff. He just like, I always say Neptune is like trying to grab onto a fistful of water. There's a delusion there. It's not real. We can't see things clearly. And so Saturn, which represents like these crystalline structures that we depend upon so firm, like we really, really depend on these structures. It's our entire infrastructure. It's our financial system. It's the roads and bridges. It's it's everything that we depend on coming into this planet that dissolves stuff, I mean, it's kind of a scary transit. Now, it doesn't have to manifest in a scary way, but after what happened with 2020, I'm like, I don't know how it couldn't manifest in kind of a crazy way. And it's going to be really weird, unexpected, something that we never could have guessed, you know, And with the destabilization of Uranus, and we're seeing a lot of stuff happen over in Iran and in Ukraine and Russia, there's just a lot of heat in a, you know, in a different part of the world. There's a lot of heat. There's a lot of stuff growing over there. So I wouldn't be surprised if we did see the rise of an infamous person like another dictator. Um, Is it Putin? I'm not, I don't know. I think it might be someone else over the next five, six years that kind of really comes into the collective consciousness, tries to do something crazy. I don't don't know. I might be getting a little outlandish, but it's just, it's just looking weird. I don't know what else to say. And, and Aries is so important because it is a Zodiac sign of war. So when Neptune and Saturn come in to Aries in 2025, now, now Saturn is in a very difficult position because he hates to be in Aries. This is a bad place for Saturn. So government and war, I don't know. I don't like the combination of those two things together. Wow. So it's a lot of dynamics. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But also, even though you're, like, like I think we, we were alluding to, that's the energy, but you just don't know how it's going to play out, right? So yeah. at least, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like, you're ready for something. You just don't know what that is. Yeah. 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 I mean, I wish I was a Nostradamus, you know, I wish that I could like <laughs> sit here and be like, okay, this country will be involved and this person is going to be involved. Unfortunately, I'm not that talented, but um, I, I think if you can be prepared for just something outlandish and crazy and unexpected, at least you personally can say, okay, well, it was unexpected by, I expected the unexpected and it's okay. And it won't last forever. <laughs> well, and that's it, right? It's only a phase. Everything's a phase. Yeah, yeah, of course. Everything is temporary. Yeah, I love the way you describe everything. So, Jane, I'm conscious of your time. And as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our guests to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our viewers and listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets? They'd be, they could be three hot tips that you would like to leave for our listeners and viewers today. Okay. <laughs> Well, um, 
first one would be you have to love yourself enough to do the hardest things that you've never thought you could do. And that's kind of been a motto that that I've lived lately. You have to love yourself enough to do the hardest things because um, that's what the world really needs right now. That That's what the soldiers are doing. Um, and I, we didn't talk a lot about manifestation so much, but I, I have been thinking a lot about manifestation as being a form of familiarization. And as you are thinking about your life and you're thinking about your future and you're trying not to integrate so many things from the outside world, right? You're trying not to get so enmeshed in everything that's going on. Um, it's going to be really important to keep your focus on your goals and to allow yourself to slowly familiarize yourself with that energy as you're building and getting closer and closer to the manifestations. And the more solid you can keep your focus, the more solid your life is going to be. Um, and then the last one would be that the world desperately needs your bigness. The world desperately needs your voice and your light, and it needs your your everything that you have. <laughs> it desperately needs that. In a world that is so full of fear, we need the fearless to be out there. Mm, wow, you just gave me goosebumps. So I think I, re- I resonate with all three, and the one that I love to, because um, I too have been looking to manifestation, and but I've been looking into, and I like the fact that you familiarize yourself. Um, yeah. And you know, and I've been looking at it in a way of, um, uh, you know, whatever it is that you want to manifest for yourself, you have to become whatever that is that you want to manifest, as if it's already taken place. And that goes back to that vibrational frequency. Is the focus for me is where am I at? Am I focusing external or am I internal? Because my practice from manifestation is to remain in my center as often as possible because that's where we're really, truly powerful. And that links into the first one you talked about, loving thyself. How do you do that? How do you, how do you love yourself enough? What does that mean? Because we talk, talk about it. Look, I know that's one of my struggles. And I know yeah. that many of our listeners struggle with loving yourself. What does that mean? Like, What do you do exactly to love yourself enough? I think I have also struggled with that and have learned lately, only recently, what it truly means. And for me, it's just showing up for yourself. And if you make a promise that you're going to do something or you're going to make a change to actually do it, because the reason why your heart is calling you to do that change or to make that, you know, that change um, is because your soul is calling you to do it. And if you don't and you hold yourself back from doing it, you are only going to experience that separation. And so I think loving yourself is more about enveloping the calling that you feel because we all feel it. Maybe not all day, every day, but we'll all feel a calling. I need to move in that direction. I need to make this change. I need to go do this thing. Um, And even if you move slowly, it's still important to do it. And I think at the end of your life, when you cross over, you know, you'll be able to look back on this experience and say, you know what, I, 
I feel fulfilled in what I did. Yeah. So it's actually just doing what your heart desires. Because I know sometimes even that the mind gets in the way and, and we'll say like, but Catherine, why, is it, why do you want to do that? And what about this? And so it's almost like your mind is, is talking you out of following your heart. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I, I heard a technique and I know we, we were worried about time, but, um, I have a technique for that okay. that actually changed my life the past two years, because when you start hearing that fearful voice, the one that thinks you don't deserve it or whatever, it's important to, to look at that little voice and say, but I know you want it too. Like if you want to go build this big business, but you're afraid the part of you that's afraid wants it too. It's just afraid. And so when you remember that your fearful part wants what the non-fearful part wants, that's when alignment really starts to kick in because you're like, well, all the aspects of me want this. It's just the discomfort. You know, it's just the part that's curled up in the little fetal position in the corner, but it wants it too. And you can even talk to the fear and be like, don't you want it too? Like, it's going to be great. It's going to be so fun. Like, look at how we're going to flourish. It's going to be wonderful. You'll be so happy. And it completely transmutes that fear completely. Oh my gosh. I just got an etheric slap. That is just awesome. And it's true because the ego is constantly in your mind, trying to keep you where you are, you know, trying to keep you exactly where you are because the ego doesn't like change when the mind doesn't change the brain doesn't like change so yeah Yeah. I love the way that you described that that's amazing because for me with love I was really looking well what does that mean because I I struggled with it and for me it was just starting with boundaries starting to say yes to me no to others which then guilt was the, the the default position right me saying yes to me and then no to others I started feeling guilt and then and then I'm thinking, well, what are you feeling guilty about? I haven't done anything wrong. Um, I'm just fulfilling my heart's desire. Yeah. It's hard. I think we all, we all have to work through guilt with those boundaries. I know. <laughs> I know. I, one. I know. So, yeah. Jane, where is the best place for our tribe to find you? Usually YouTube is the best. That's where I'm the most active. It's just Jane International, Tarot and Astrology on YouTube. I do have an Instagram account, but I usually just post like funny little things on there, but it's fun. So if you want to join me on Instagram, it's just Jane International on Instagram. So we'll have all of that in the show notes. Jane, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been such a blast for me. I've got, I've learned so much and um, I could have kept you for here for two hours easy. I could have talked to you for another two hours. This was so fun. I really appreciate you, you inviting me. This was really, really amazing. No, you're amazing. I know everybody else is going to find you and find you t- tremendously amazing. So thank you for your work that you do and sharing your wisdom. You're amazing. So keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. 
If you have been a long-time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you, content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.